Hi, everybody. Savan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio, back with a good friend, Ivan Thranholm. She has um, gotten on a list. You know, I just did this presentation on McCarthyism, and the myth of McCarthyism appears to be taking some real shape uh, in Europe. So, uh, Ivan, what has been happening recently? Well, a few weeks ago, uh, a member of the parliament uh, called me. She's from a right-wing party, and she called me, and she said, well... Are you aware that you are on a list? Um, it is an EU task force called eStratcom who made a list uh, with articles uh, and with journalists uh, that they think are spreading Russian disinformation, meaning that I was labeled as a pro-Russian propagandist. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, I was really, you know, I was... I was standing up. I had to sit down on a chair because I was so surprised and shocked. And she said, no, uh, you are on this list. And I need to ask you, what kind of relationship do you have with Kremlin? <laughs> I said, you, you're really kidding me now. I said, no. She said, I need to know if you are paid by the Russians to write articles. I said, come on. I mean, there is no such relationship between me and Kremlin. I mean, whenever I've been to Russia doing research, it has been on my own initiative because I, I thought it was interesting because I'm a theologian. I wanted to do research on the Christian revival and, and so on. So I said, I have paid everything myself. Uh, once a Danish radio paid for me because they wanted me to do some programs, I contacted Russia today to become an op-ed writer and they accepted it. I said, well, let's see how it goes. And if, if people like your articles, you can be part of the staff, which is all independent uh, journalists who are writing for them. And since people like my articles, you know, I, I continue to contribute. And that's my relationship with Russia. So since I'm on this list, it's just something they have interpreted. They never called me. They never emailed me. They never did anything to contact me and say, hey, what's going on? I mean, we have a suspicion that you're working for the Russians. Is that true? They never did anything to investigate to have proof or evidence that there is such a relationship between me and the Kremlin. Yet it's it says on their website that this is a typical example of a Kremlin narrative, means that I'm actually working for the Russians as you know, a person that tries to destabilize the EU, uh, spreading disinformation. So this is my situation now. And, you know, there has been an outcry uh, by other pundits and commentators and other journalists here in Denmark. They all supported me. Uh, and they have written a lot of, you know, pieces in the newspaper. There have been a huge debate on social media. Yesterday, there was a letter uh, in one of our biggest newspaper where 28 commentators have signed a letter. Uh, and they're really criticizing the, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Yet, he had not replied. He had not done anything to come out and say, well, I think this was a mistake. Nobody should be afraid to exercise uh, their right to freedom of speech and so on. He's just silent. So it means, and he stated um, uh, last week in the parliament when uh, this uh, member of the parliament that contacted me first, she asked for a consultation with him, which is a public thing. And um, he said, no, I think it's completely correct that even Tranholm is uh, still listed as a pro-Russian propagandist. And she was just shocked. I mean, uh, it is filmed. Uh, you can watch it on a video. And you see that he's completely... Um, I mean, she can't, I mean, he doesn't really understand the problem. 
that this is really going in the wrong direction to put people on a list. He's just completely cold. And so far, um, he has not been asked by any of the mainstream media to give a comment. I also think that's quite alarming that none of the, the, the mainstream media has demanded that he should come out and comment on this. So it means basically that many mainstream media here in Denmark are just closing their eyes. They just, you know, don't want to um, understand what's going on. Or maybe they agree with him. Because I think one of the reasons why that quite a lot of other pundits and politicians did not support me is because they think that I have the wrong opinions. And I think we are going in this direction where you need to have certain opinions to be protected by your government. If you don't have the right opinions like I don't have because I'm a Christian and I like Russia, I guess that is the worst combination of, you know, all. Um, then you are in trouble and you will not be protected by your government. And yeah, of course, I can still say what I want. I have freedom of speech, but for how long? And like the member of the parliament, Maria Kraup, she's called, um, I asked her, what's, I mean, what kind of consequences could this have for me? And she said, it's always a political decision. So it means in case of war or if the conflict with Russia is escalating any further, nobody knows what a list like this would be used for. They have the legal right to detain me if there's going to be a war with Russia because then I would be seen as an enemy of the state spreading uh, information from the enemy. So right now, it's maybe not very harmful, but who knows what the world looks like in three months? You never know. Well, I think it has a lot to do with just this idea of discrediting. So when you have opinions that other people find problematic or goes against a particular narrative that they like, they're always grasping at straws to find a way to sort of magically wave your opinions away or your arguments away without actually having to bother examining them or trying to figure out what is going on. And the mainstream media, whose income is crashing, whose uh, viewership is crashing, whose trustworthiness is, uh, I don't know where it is in, in Denmark, but uh, over here in, in sort of North America, it, it, it's cratering. I mean, there's just no trust. I think uh, people trust uh, uh, the, the Congress in America more than they trust the mainstream media at the moment. And so they have a problem in that I think that the really honest and, and courageous uh, information provision is coming from the alternative media. And what does the government do with that? Well, they need to find some way that people can say, oh, Eben, you've, you know, she's just a huh, you know, and then whatever they can insert there, then people can just wave away your arguments and your evidence without actually having to examine them. But you're right, it is a very slippery slope. Who knows where this information is going to be used? And who on earth can imagine that it's the government's job to police articles or that it is even remotely fair for the government to uh, encircle you in an accusation with no chance to respond with uh, any counter arguments of your own or any facts or evidence. Yeah, but I'm not even an alternative media. I'm just an independent uh, uh, single journalist. And I feel very vulnerable because who's going to support me? I don't have an editor. I don't have a political party behind me. I'm just a single individual. So who's going to protect me? I mean, if my government and EU doesn't want to protect me and they can accuse me without evidence of being a Russian agent, I mean, where is this heading? And I also think that it's quite an irony that 
When we, I mean, we have been living in an age of relativism, and we're being told that there is no such things as the truth. The truth doesn't exist. And now the same people who told this truth, are, you know, they are suddenly the truth tellers, and they are putting on a higher uh, authority to tell what is false and what is right. And, and I think that now there is a rule. I mean, if they claim that something is false, you can be certain it's true. <laughs> but I mean, everybody's so confused about what is false and what is right. I mean, and in an age of relativism, it's really a big irony right now that we are fighting for truth. And who knows? what is the truth anymore? Because people are so enabled to discern the truth because of relativism. So that's a new problem. So it means that people are very easily manipulated uh, and because they're confused, they don't really know how to discern the truth because they have no, no moral grounds to stand on because we have no religion, we have no philosophy, we have nothing, we just have uh, my own feelings. What do I feel like? This is what we have been taught for decades now. So it's very, very easy to manipulate uh, people that have been taught there is no truth and to come and, and just then tell them this is the truth. And now for me, I mean, I also think now everybody says, I mean, the, the political elite and all those truth tellers that are, are screaming fake news, they are all against Russia. So something must be very good about Russia because they're all against it. So for me now, it is the rule. When they say something is fake, it's bad, it's dangerous, well, you should look in that direction because it might be the truth. So you really need to have a moral compass. And and it's interesting also because the content of my article that I got list, listed for, for me, that's even more interesting because I was claiming that Europe is, um, has lost it, it, its moral compass and especially our leaders because they can't distinguish between good and evil anymore. And that's why we have this chaos with all the immigration policies. Uh, and they're actually protecting uh, the perpetrator, not the victim. We see that every time there have been a terror attack, they're trying to protect the perpetrator. Uh, the criminals, not the people that are the victims. I mean, uh, when there was this attack on the Christmas market in Berlin um, this Christmas, I heard Angela Merkel, she said, let's hope it's not a refugee. I mean, she was more concerned about the perpetrator, the criminals, than she was about the, about the victims. And I think that's very telling. And, and that it is just part of it. But I was, I was criticizing the EU leaders that they have turned their back on Christianity because it means that we have no way to, to distinguish between good and evil anymore. And also, they have for decades, they have said, let's separate religion and state. And now they're using actually Christian arguments to say, let's have compassion with those people. We should be good Christians and things like that. So they're actually like Judas. They are, they are traitors. I mean, they're using Christianity, using Christian arguments to destroy the Christian culture. So that was what I wrote. So if this is um, Russian propaganda or I should be labeled or branded as enemy of state because I'm pointing to the lack of Christianity uh, as the reason for this chaos, then they have made Christianity their enemy. So, I mean, this attack on me is actually an attack on Christianity. And I think very, very few people have understood yet the deeper meaning of this. They are attacking their own uh, spiritual heritage, 
like this. It's kind of a suicide that they actually claim that Christianity or Christian thinking, Christian thoughts, Christians, Christian interpretations are, are, are bad stuff. I mean, it's just like the enemy of the state. And it says a lot about Europe and why we are in this deep crisis. So I think this, there are a lot of, of things uh, in this attack on me. Actually, I don't see it's only attack on me. It is an attack on Europe's own culture. And that is the sad thing about it. Well, there's, there's a lot of what you said. The, the couple of points that come to mind is that first, um, I encountered really toxic relativism when I was uh, in university, particularly in graduate school. And my experience uh, even was that relativism is an argument not for no truth, but for assertion to be considered valid without argument or evidence. Uh, it is actually a form of faith. Uh, in, insofar as, of course, there's no objective proof for a Christian deity or any other deity, it's a matter of faith to believe. And with relativism, what they do is they're not trying to say there's no such thing as truth, which is a self-contradictory statement. You know, is it true that there's no such thing as truth and so on? What they are trying to do, though, is to be able to create a space where they can put forward their assertions without the requirement for evidence. And the end result is these kinds of accusations against you. So it's around knocking down standards of proof. It's not about uh, trying to say there's no such thing as truth. The second thing that has always troubled me is that in the past, when I was uh, younger, uh, the, the, uh, a lot of the academics, the intellectuals, and the media had a very soft spot for Russia, back when Russia was a totalitarian communist dictatorship. Now that Russia has become more nationalistic, uh, now that Russia, the Russian leaders seem to advocate for the interest of Russians uh, over the interests of those overseas, and in particular, now that Russia has returned to its Christian roots, now Russia has become an enemy. Uh, and this to me is because a lot of atheists are on the left. I call them statheists. They worship the state instead of a deity, which is far more toxic than anything that could be imagined uh, uh, in religion. And when Russia was um, uh, socialist, communist, atheist, and then a lot of the people on the left were very favorable towards it, now that it is more free than it was under uh, Stalin and uh, Brezhnev and so on, now they seem to have a great hostility uh, although the Russians are doing much better than they did under communism, they have a special hostility towards Russia now. And that is something that is extremely revealing and, and of course, deeply troubling. Yes, I mean, you really hit uh, the point here, because this is exactly the deeper reason for the conflict between East and West. And we have discussed this before. And keep in mind that, that communism was a Western idea. It was not a Russian idea. So it comes, it comes from the West. Uh, and and now it is 2017, it's exactly 100 years ago since we had the Russian Revolution. And now we see, I mean, I was in a monastery uh, some months ago in Moscow, and they said to me, be aware, they said, what's happening in the West now, the way they are treating Christians, the way they talk about Christianity, is exactly the same atmosphere as before the Russian Revolution. They said, it's exactly the same. We see, it's very similar, they said. And now this, I mean, like they wanted to remove the Tsar because he was God's representative on earth. And now um, EU wants to, you know, trace out any Christian, any Christian roots they have. So it's sort of the same process. And I think that communism really didn't die or the spirit of communism uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed. I think this spirit just escaped to the West and found a new disguise, which is now... 
freedom, freedom of speech, human rights, all these things. But I mean, they are becoming more and more totalitarian. And why? Because they lack the Christian fundament, because now the state is God. And we have seen that throughout the uh, 20th uh, century, how dangerous it is when the state, you know, decides who's worthy of living and who's not, who has the right opinions, who doesn't have the right opinions, because this is exactly what's going on in the West now with the political correctness. And people, it's, it's very, it's very difficult for people to, to discover it because we are seduced by all these freedom concepts. So it looks like it looks so nice on the surface and it looks so peaceful and so right, but it's not. And this listing that EU has now started with this task force is just one of the examples that it's going in the wrong direction because this is exactly the same thing that the KGB did. I mean, they were listing people who disagreed with the political elite. And uh, then they are uh, blaming Russia and say, oh, it's because we need to be cautious with the Russians because they're trying to you know, hack us, they're trying to, to destroy our democracy. I mean, the Danish uh, Minister of Defense the other day, he said, it's very, very serious. Russia are ready to hack our hospitals and destroy our democracy. And if it wasn't because it's, it is actually very dangerous to say things like that right now, I would just laugh it off. It's just a complete joke. I mean, nobody wants to attack Denmark. <laughs> it's just crazy. But these communist idea, coming back to your point, is now alive and kicking in the West. They just have a different disguise. So I think the reason why why these leaders that they are becoming more and more totalitarian using um, under the, I mean, under the label of being democratic, they're becoming more and more undemocratic. It's because they have lost the spiritual foundation. Actually, the founder of EU, Robert Schuman, he said, if democracy is not Christian, it will not uh, exist anymore. It will break down, he said. He said that. So his idea was actually, I mean, his idea with the whole EU uh, came from a Christian uh, inspiration because after the Second World War, he didn't want uh, Germany and France to be uh, risking a new war. So he wanted those two countries to cooperate. He was very Catholic. He, he, he went to mass every day and he was a very, very prayerful man. So it was a kind of Christian inspiration. And if he saw what's going on today in the EU, he would turn in his grave because now it has become a body that is against Christianity. I mean, they did not want to mention uh, Christianity in the EU treaty in 92. And ever since that, EU has become more and more anti-Christian and doesn't want to, to recognize uh, Europe's Christian heritage. And if there is no such thing as Christianity in Europe, what there is only the state left or very nationalistic movements which are becoming extremists. So you need to have this Christian spiritual foundation to have a sound and healthy society. And when that's lost, like it is, you will see Europe, even though it call itself democratic, it would be it would be more and more totalitarian. And I think these people have been stealing, they're stealing democracy because the true democracy in Europe, at least, is based on Christianity. And now they're trying to redefine it. So I think those people are actually um, trying to steal what is the true Europe. So there should be a resistance movement. And we know that a lot of people already are against EU and Europe. 
And now they are blaming the Russians and say, well, that's because that the Russians are trying to influence the Europeans. Well, maybe it's just because people are aware that this is not a good thing and they don't want the EU. And I really hope that France, with the new president, would uh, also make the Frankxit or get out of it, the EU, because then EU is collapsing. And that would be a blessing for all of Europe. So we can start to build up the, the, the authentic Europe again. Well, of course, uh, Russia is an example of a society that is not subjugated to a supranational bureaucratic organization with all of its choking rules and ridiculous requirements. And uh, Russia stands as an example where people can look and say, okay, well, there's a country that's not subject to one of these supranational uh, groups. And, and how's it doing relative to my country? And so because it stands as an example of the wisdom of not being part of one of these larger groups, uh, it does stand as something that needs to be attacked by all the bureaucrats feasting on the extra layers of bureaucracy. And I think the other thing that is true as well, in a moral society, those are con who are condemned uh, are usually worthy of scorn. But as a society becomes more corrupt, those who are condemned are usually worthy of respect and investigation. And uh, it seems pretty clear to me now that the you know there are two unprotected groups uh, in society where everybody feels um, pretty ready, willing, and able to heap endless scorn. And white males and Christians are generally among those two groups, and uh, they are in many ways the most certainly Christians, the most persecuted groups uh, around the world. And um, there is this terrible idea, or terrifying idea, at least for me, that if you don't cause any trouble, you're going to be in the targets. And those who are willing to cause the most trouble to the states are the ones who get the most concessions. And uh, this topsy-turvy world where now uh, being a good person means that you're targeted uh, is something that is going to, I think, significantly delegitimize uh, the states and their legal apparatus, and hopefully that will lead to a dissolution of uh, the EU and other supranational organizations which are choking the very life and history out of Europe. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be without combat or, you know, maybe even war. Look at what, what is going on right now in the U.S. with Trump. When they, like they try to undermine him and, 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 and the claim that he has disclosed ties to Russia. This is the, the new political strategy or the new political tool. If you want to undermine uh, your opponent uh, or to destroy him, you just have to prove that he has some kind of relationship with Russia. But, you know, I am kind of optimistic because I get a lot of messages, a lot of feedback from all around the world right now telling me, right, people write to me and say, you're right, Russia is not that enemy as they say it is. We see right now that this is not true, and Russia stands for something good. I mean, they have good moral values, and actually, I think it, it, is, it is thanks to the Russians that we not already have the, the First World War, because there were many occasions where the West were really provoking Russia, where they could have started a war, like when first that this airplane uh, got shot down in Turkey and with their uh, ambassador that got assassinated uh, lately, there were a lot of occasions where Russia could have been striking back but did not uh, because Putin is very reasonable and he doesn't want war. So I think more and more people, they, I mean, you can fool people for a long time, you know, that kind of, of, uh, of, uh, of sentence, but you can't fool them forever. And I think people are starting to understand that the reason why there's so much against Russia 
there must be some kind of agenda, uh, a kind of political agenda that this is not the truth. I mean, the 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 uh, the allegations of that the Russians hacked the U.S. elections are ridiculous. I mean, most people can see it is ridiculous. And now with Trump, and now my case, not that I am in the same level as Trump, but it's sort of the same. Uh, strategy. If somebody is against you, you just say, well, this is a person that is cooperating with the Russians. But for how long will people buy into that? Of course, there will always be some who, who would believe the mainstream media and the politicians, but I think there will be a clash somehow. And I think actually we would see people that uh, are becoming dissidents have to move to Russia to exercise the, the, the free speech like we had people from the Soviet Union coming to the West and was writing from, from the West what was going on in the Soviet Union. Um, of course, the situation is different now because we still have an open society. The Soviet society was very closed. But there are so many lies. And I mean, this, this, whole, this whole game about what is false uh, what is right? What is the truth? Um, it's it's extremely difficult for many people to understand. So this is the game now. Who's lying and who is telling the truth? So this is where we have to navigate now. The war is actually an information war. And you need, really need to be equipped to understand uh, who are the people that is the right and the good people and who are the, the bad people. Because there are so many lies circulating and I think it's very dangerous to try to, you know, make regulations and trying to stop uh, fake news as Facebook is up to now. And also the German government who now wants to have some kind of, of law. So if you, um, if you put a fake news on Facebook, you, you I mean, you can have a penalty of 500,000 euros if you don't take it down or deleted uh, within 24 hours it's crazy and who's gonna and who's gonna decide who's gonna decide what is fake news this is my concern I think that's quite disturbing if it's a group uh, within Facebook or the government uh, uh, who's deciding what is right what is wrong and this is the new war actually uh, trying to distinguish between good and evil and to understand what is what is what is the truth so I think we are already in that war. Uh, but as I said before, I'm optimistic because I see more and more people. I mean, just one year ago, people would say, you are crazy. I mean, why do you want to, to write anything good about Russia? But this is changing now. I get a lot of emails from people saying, well, maybe we were wrong. Maybe you are right. So I think we just have to get the information out and just trying to, to keep uh, counterfeiting. Uh, the people that are spreading lies and also is building their worldview on a lie because it comes from somewhere. I mean, if you're building your worldview on a lie, I mean, I'm a Christian. Everybody knows that. So I think if you have a worldview, there is no God. There is nothing after. There is no afterlife. There is nothing. There is only man and the will to exercise power. I mean, it, that's very bad. So you need to have a worldview. You need to have some, I'm not saying everybody should be Christians. Of course, I think it would be a good idea, but I mean, but I mean, you need to have something more than politics and the state. You need to have a higher or a deeper understanding of what is life. <laughs> and you need to, to have a spiritual foundation to understand what's going on because you can understand what's going on in today's world just having a political perspective. 
because this is a spiritual fight between good and evil. It's a, it's, it, it's, it's a tremendous clash between good and evil and the people that are lying and the people that are telling the truth. Uh, it's not so much about being left or right anymore because you even saw Republicans that were siding up with the Democrats uh, before Trump got elected. So it's not so much about blue and red, left or, or, or right. It's about the lies or the truth. And that's something that we are not prepared for because we are living in this age of relativism. So we are weakened. I think uh, if um, one of, if I could have people follow one of the Ten Commandments, I mean, thou shalt not bear false witness would be a pretty good one. Uh, another one, of course, is thou shalt not steal. A lot of the Western countries have been stealing from future generations through national debt, through unfunded liabilities. And they use the wages of sin to um, create all of these destabilizations and wage these endless wars, particularly in the Middle East. Uh, and then they steal from future generations, again, through debts and unfunded liabilities to create a massive welfare state, uh, which then uh, after uh, people in the Middle East have been displaced through wars, and some are coming because of that and some are coming because of the economic opportunism, um, the, um, uh, the money that is stolen is used to create a welfare state that brings and pays for people to, to come in. This is not an organic uh, process uh, or anything like that. And um, as we all know, if people had followed the thou shalt not steal, we would not be uh, either destabilizing the Middle East nor dealing with the migrant crisis. And uh, as we all know, and as the Bible teaches, the wages of sin is death. And we need to find a way to resurrect these moral values, whether it's through philosophy or whether it's through religion or some combination of the two. Without these moral values that we're willing to suffer for, uh, we are going to fail fundamentally as a society, as has happened before many times. Uh, thou shalt not steal uh, or bear false witness uh, also uh, took down Rome. Exactly, but I think one of the major problems is that the church, which should be the institution that would preach these values and you know, really be the rock, uh, it has been weakened enormously because those people who are now the so-called truth-tellers, they have sort of, um, how should I put it, they have reinterpreted Christianity. And unfortunately, uh, the, the church in the West has been so... Uh, eager to please uh, these people, these new trends, so it has become weakened. And it's interesting because if you look at the Russian Orthodox Church during communism, that was a martyr uh, church. People were ready to sacrifice and die for the faith. They never lost the spirit and the strength and the stamina, even though it was so persecuted. In the West, we see now a church that is completely secularized. Even the Catholic Church is becoming secularized and politicized in the wrong direction, I think. Uh, because, I mean, peace, for instance, has to do with justice. I haven't heard any Catholic priest been talking about that for ages. I mean, it's just mercy, 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 you know, which is a very feminine aversion of uh, Christianity. Whereas if you look to the Orthodox, they know how to fight. They know that life is a fight against sin, against evil, uh, against yourself, against evil powers. So you have to be, you know, a strong person and you need to strengthen yourself by the Ten Commandments, the faith, the prayer. I mean, you need to discipline yourself um, through faith uh, and also society. But the Western church is just like so compliant. It's just one to be, you know, friends with everybody. So I think it's it's really disturbing for me as a Christian in Europe to see how that the church is just becoming, you know, weak and just 
have ad adapted to this progressive uh, leftist agenda. Yeah, it's, it's strange to see social justice warriors in funny hats because I think that's uh, – and we, we see this with the army as well and the, all of the institutions that uh, are traditionally thought of as protecting Western values. Uh, I think have all been infiltrated by this social justice warrior stuff where you know they play this endless game of whack-a-mole, find some disparity in outcomes, claim that it's injustice and use the power of the state in an attempt to close the gap, thus strangling everyone's freedoms and property rights and so on and uh, the end result of this. Uh, but I think this is going to happen either way. I mean this is the traditional arc and trajectory of civilizations to hedonism, to materialism, to consequentialism, to decadence. Uh, but the one thing we have now is this kind of conversation and this kind of platform. This is the only chance I think we have to arrest the general wheel of civilizations and uh, try and keep everything that our ancestors fought, suffered, and died to achieve. We have this platform. We have the internet. We have the capacity to broadcast to the world, which has never existed before. This is the new Gutenberg press relative to the monopoly uh, of uh, texts uh, that the Catholics had prior. So I think we have the greatest chance for what was uh, to, to fight against what has always been inevitable in history. And that certainly gets me out of bed every morning with a spring in my step. Yeah, but I think that it will be the lay people who would have to recapture the church because it's not going to be the bishops or even the pope i mean it has to come from the grassroots and people say okay we're going to take back our church because i mean you need some kind i mean the church is a it's a 2000 year old institution it should be the rock under european culture and i think it's time now to stop this political correctness and to understand that to be a christian is also to to be able to fight I mean, Christ was also a warrior. I mean, and, and it's this soft, uh, compassion, open arms, open borders, uh, Christianity. It's part of Christianity, but it's not all. I mean, you need to defend your culture. It says in the Catholic catechism that you have to love your own life and defend it. It means you have to love yourself. Christ says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It means you, you, it's okay to love yourself also as a culture, and to defend it. Uh, even if you are, if, if it comes to a battle where some lives would get lost, you have the moral right to defend yourself because you love your own life. You are also the creation of God or a creature of God. So you, you should love yourself for that reason. And it also goes for our culture. We should love ourselves for the right reasons and not just commit suicide like we are, are doing now. And I think we should repeat to ourselves those values that has built Europe and not be ashamed of it because many Christians are ashamed of it or mm. trying to hide it or they're silenced or they silence themselves out of fear of political correctness. So people should stand up and say, if Europe is not Christian, what is Europe? I think Europe is going to become uh, an Islamic uh, territory if we are not trying to take our Christianity back because actually uh, Muslims are just filling in the void after Christianity has been lost because there, there need to be some kind of spiritual foundation through under every society and right now I see there was a, a TV Syria uh, on Danish national um, television recently with Danish women that had converted to uh, Islam not because they fell in love with a man or and then they had to convert, just because they did it out of their own choice. 
And it was interesting to see that they all came from a very messy background. Either they, either they have been dealing with alcohol or drugs or they had, you know, families that had been broken. And many Europeans are in the same situation. And they find some kind of relief that there was this God they had to be submissive to and there were rules. So it means that, I mean, the Islamic faith or um, to be a Muslim today is to get order in your life, to get things fixed. And there are so many broken hearts, so many broken families, so many miserable lives in Europe because of liberalism and because of all those uh, relativistic values. So now we have Islam to come and save people if we have no Christianity. So people should wake up to that reality because many people are looking for answers. They're looking for some kind of stable fun foundation because otherwise you're, you're just becoming a loser because you have you maybe you are a drug addict you are you are dependent on alcohol or uh, uh, happy pills or whatever i mean a lot of people at least in scandinavia are on some kind of drugs because they are miserable and now we see that a new religion is entering our society with rules and order and submission and maybe people would even like it with time who knows so it's really time to to decide the future of Europe, should it be Islamic or should it be Christian? I mean, people have the choice now. Maybe one day it's going to be too late. Well, I uh, certainly appreciate the work that you're doing to bring this information to the public. I, I express, uh, I want to express great sympathy for uh, this list, uh, this this um, unjustified accusation uh, and so on. But it can be a wake-up call. So I sort of urge people to put um, uh, put their efforts into understanding what's happening uh, to even to others uh, in Europe who are talking about policy. Talking about political policy should not get you blacklisted, should not get you on a warning list or anything like that. And uh, these kind of unsubstantiated allegations, my hope, of course, is it serves to further discredit the state narrative and have people wake up to where the truth is coming out uh, from people, which is generally not in the mainstream media, in my opinion. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for all the work that you're doing, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you.